Can you hear my cat meowing outside my door? No. Oh man, I I want to let her in, but like, she will just scream the entire time. She doesn't yeah, I can't. Welcome to Spots On, a Miraculous Ladybug podcast. I'm Maggie, and this is Ava. Hello. <laughs> uh, Ava, do you have any ladybug news? Um. Well, I have ladybug tangential news. <laughs> Perfect. So I'm sure that you all are familiar with the wildly successful app that apparently is being taken off the App Store in the United States, TikTok. <laughs> um Recently, there's been a sound going around, uh, a trend, if you will, of a character saying, <laughs> one day, I'm going to snap, and then you will never see me again. And I kept on seeing it on my For You page, and I didn't, I, I recognized the voice, but I couldn't pin down who it was. And then today, <laughs> or last night, I guess, I was uh, looking at it. Um, because one of my friends sent me one that I, in turn, sent to you, Maggie. Um, yes. And I realized that the person saying that, because I have not like seen the anime that it's from, I forget even what anime that sound is from, the, the voice actor of that character is Bryce Pappenbrook, who does play Adrian. <laughs> so we just insert that sound here. It is the funniest thing on Earth. <laughs> yep. One day, I am going to snap. And then... You will not hear from me again. Uh, the thing that I like about it is, well, it's Adrian's English voice actor, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I do think that it perfectly... I think that it, it's good characterization for Adrian. I think that's pretty much what's boiling <laughs> right below the surface. Yeah, you're all absolutely right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. This boy is on the break. Uh, is He's about to break mentally. Um one day he is going to snap, and then we will never see him again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other news that I have, it's not even news, I am officially, I am retracting my previous statement from, I think, I don't know, I think it was episode one, Halloween costumes for Miraculous Ladybug sucked, and I ended up going to Spirit Halloween uh, a few days ago, and it turns out that they did in fact make the the toys and the props better and the costumes better um, so i would like to say that the miraculous ladybug halloween costumes are awesome <laughs> and i was completely wrong and i'm sorry to all the people who i may have insulted by uh-huh. by saying that i'm as, as i'm like uh talking as if the designers of the halloween merchandise are listening to our podcast but <laughs> to anyone who wore one of those and was insulted by me calling your outfit awful. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't believe we're this early in and we're already issuing apologies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like upload a YouTube video of me mm -hmm. like fake crying and I'm like, I'm so sorry that you guys felt that what I did was wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry you guys are so sensitive with your bad, bad costumes. Yeah, because it definitely could be interpreted as my fault. My mistakes could be interpreted as as my fault. 
uh, even if I am putting it putting these words uh, in a way that makes it seem as though I am actually free of guilt and you should feel bad for me. Um. <laughs> uh, I have a piece of miraculous news, and much like yours, it is a bit tangential, and it is uh, not recent news. It's just something that I think you should know about. Okay. So there have been two completely unrelated Miraculous Ladybug stage musicals. What? <laughs> so Miraculous like Ladybug musicals? Yes. <laughs> yes. Miraculous Ladybug the musical ran for a month in Seoul, South Korea in 2016 and was revived for another 2 days in 2018. So what it was was it looks like it was just a children's show. It was in some way connected to the actual production company. Um I have no clue who wrote it or directed it. I found the ticket site where you could have bought tickets for it when it was showing, but I couldn't find any information about the people who were directly responsible for this. <laughs> um, I did find some images uh, and a short video, so I'm going to drop something in the chat for you Okay. Uh, for whenever you're ready. Um, that's uh, That's the finale there. Uh, here's some things about this musical. Hawk Moth was played by a robot. Uh, just a huge what? transformer looking robot. <laughs> wait, okay. Uh, this... so, wait, so he, like, the character himself was not a robot, but he was played by a robot? He was played by a robot. From what I saw, there was also a human actor, but the human actor always had a robot standing behind him. That's bizarre. What? Well... Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm looking at this now. <laughs> you see the video? <laughs> this is so, like... <laughs> Dude, people are digging this. I mean, honestly, like, this looks awesome. <laughs> like, I remember there was one time I was forced to go to, like, a Wiggles concert um, with uh, the little sister of one of my friends and I was like oh I'm like too old for Wiggles I was like 13 or something and then I ended up like really enjoying <laughs> the show <laughs> it's like this is like legitimately entertaining people don't people underestimate the uh the entertainment value of uh children's entertainment like stage productions <laughs> yeah yeah um I know a little bit about the plot so uh, this was I got this from various Please online sources like the Wikipedia and that page where uh, I translated some stuff where on the page where they were selling tickets. Uh, so mm-hmm. the plot was that Ladybug quits fighting crime and leaves Cat Noir to fight crime alone. What? But Hawk, yeah, but then Hawk Moth akumatizes Cat Noir and Ladybug has to fight him. Isn't this like almost the plot of a future episode? <laughs> Yeah, there's some late episodes that ring a little bit similar. Um, that's very strange. She's just like, mm, no, <laughs> I think I'm just going to stop. Yeah, I couldn't find any info about why she quit. I think maybe she like something bad happened. It didn't say it's like oh, after a terrible trauma, but I have to assume it was something like that. Yeah. Ladybug accidentally let one of the citizens die. That's the trauma. Yeah. That's, that's probably that's it. New, that that's the new. For... That's the new edgy miraculous ladybug reboot <laughs> for a, for a uh, teen audience.
<laughs> so let's start with, uh, in French, Le Ferron. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, but it aired third in France and was number six in America. Okay. Um, because this, I just happened to pause the intro mm-hmm. this time while watching, and I realized something I'd never noticed before, which is that Marionette is... Um, She's running to school with her backpack in hand and a croissant in her mouth. Oh, like an anime girl. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, which, I don't know. I mean, everybody knows about the, the toast thing, right? The the trope in, in anime where it's yes. like, oh man, I'm late for school and I have a piece of toast in my mouth, but it's mm-hmm. a croissant because she's French. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I had never realized that before. I didn't even realize that she had anything in her mouth, probably because I would imagine the croissant is almost the same color as the school, <laughs> like the building. Yeah, it happens so fast. You've talked about this, how this intro happens so fast, you can't tell what's happening. She's running to school, she's got the croissant in her mouth, she trips over a black cat and into Adrian's arms. <laughs> as one does. Uh-huh. As as it goes for a normal a normal French girl living a normal French life, I, this is more of a, a thing about all three episodes. Okay, but these three episodes, Mister <laughs> Mister Pigeon is my favorite episode so far, and the Pharaoh is my least favorite. <laughs> so we've got quite the range of emotions here. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is fair. Um, that is fair. Well, when this when the Pharaoh starts out, this is actually an important episode because it is the debut. Of the lady blog. Yes. This is the first time we hear Alia mention her lady blog. It's a blog where she blogs about Ladybug. And here's the thing. I went looking. There is no lady blog tie-in site. There, there, the lady blog does not exist in extant oh, what? form. Yeah. But they have Instagram accounts. <laughs> they have those fake Instagram accounts. Yeah. That are supposed to be real for the characters. But they, they created an actual website that is about ladybug news like even if it was just a site where they posted news about like the show or whatever that would be fine Mm -hmm. but if it was like formatted like alia's site oh my gosh these people (laughs) they don't know how to yeah run the marketing of their children's show (laughs) yeah like do you remember back when icarly was still on there was an actual icarly.com yeah and it was awesome i thought it was like the coolest thing ever Uh uh-huh it was I mean, it was full of it, just it was like actual good, but no it was not <laughs> i for in preparation for this episode i could because the lady blog reminded me of it i went looking for some of the old sketches that were on icarly.com mm-hmm. they in the interest of realism don't have laugh tracks uh so it's <laughs> surreal it's surreal watching jerry trainer die for our comedy sins <laughs> he's, he's oh just as like <laughs> as like Jeanette mccurdy just shoves his face with pasta Jerry Trainer is like, I saw him do like a cameo for someone recently, uh, and I'm glad to know that he's doing okay because he is the like the character that I was most invested in yeah. was uh, Spencer. So <laughs> I'm so glad that he's living his best life. I hope that he's writing out that iCarly money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So what happens here is Alia is blogging in the streets of Paris. And Ladybug flies by uh, attached to a helicopter by her yo-yo as though it was a grappling hook. And as she is being dragged through the sky by this helicopter, a 
history textbook falls out of somewhere and in front of Alia. I have no clue how why she had this textbook on her or how. I I don't know. She like she picked yeah. it up right before she attached she herself. She just has magic pockets. This comes. This like problem comes up later too, where like somehow she like gets the textbook back at the end of the episode, and it's like not clear where she put it because her bag is tiny. It's like her little uh like pouch. I don't know what it's called. Uh, but it's it's like the size of her hand. Her bag is, but she somehow managed to hide an entire textbook inside there, unless she has some sort of secret pocket i don't know like mary poppins style yeah, i guess where you can just put things in and it doesn't abide by the the laws of space that, that must know. just be something a power that tiki lends her the magical pocket power but then it's not a great magical pocket because <laughs> things do fall out <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's um it doesn't make any sense also the angle of i understand that it's supposed to be like oh like she's recording it on her on her phone and so it's sort of a weird perspective because she's doing a vlog, basically. But the angle of the camera on her face, its the camera is so close to her face that it distorts it and makes it look very strangely wide. Hmm. I just, I was very uncomfortable whenever they were playing that clip because also it plays, uh, I don't know if it's like the same sequence or if it's a scene later or whatever, but Adrian is watching the lady vlog which I think is a good detail that he like keeps up with the lady vlog. Yeah. <laughs> but he's watching it on his computer and I'm sitting there thinking I would not be able, if somebody had the camera this close to their face, I would not be able to ever watch any of their vlogs because it's distorting the, their face. Basically it's, it's making her look not like herself. Mm-hmm. I was also unnerved by Alia's blogging here. Uh, but mostly because of a language difference. So in mm-hmm. French, in the scene when she's looking at this textbook, she says, I can't believe it. You know, a thing a person would say. And in English, she says, freak out. Like, like <laughs> fake slain. Like the English dub is trying to be hip to slain that does not exist. Like that is not something a teacher says. The thing that bothered me the most about it is uh, she says this in a moment where she is not herself on screen. So there was absolutely no flapping to match. It was they could have said anything and they decided to say freak out. <laughs> like, I don't know what emotion that phrase is supposed to convey. I don't either. I guess it means I can't believe it. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess, man, mm-hmm. it's. Uh, another indiscrepancy between english and french which is actually kind of important is that the english dub describes the textbook as a 10th grade history textbook meaning that alian marionette and adrian are all in 10th grade but Mm -hmm. in french they say it's uh they're in the year uh which uh, again my pronunciation i apologize but uh, basically, that is the French equivalent of ninth grade. It's ages 14 through 15. Uh, it is the last year mm. of collège, which is kind of like middle school in France. So kids typically uh, from age 11 to 15, they attend collège. And then once they graduate from collège, they go into lycée, which is French high school for 15 to 18. So in French... Uh, they are all in the last year of middle school, whereas in English, they are in um, the second year of high school. That is very strange. That is... 
because I feel like that's an important distinction because um, especially looking back, it's like the level of maturity between school grades is very great, I guess. It the, is an ocean the, like, of the, development. The, yeah, it's like, but when I was a freshman, I thought that I was mature. And then I got to a sophomore and I said, oh, wait a minute. No, I wasn't. I was super immature. Now I'm mature. And then I got to a junior and I was like, oh, wait a minute. No, I wasn't. I was really immature still. Now I'm mature. And then I got to a senior and I'm like, maybe I'm just not mature. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was acting like a little kid like two years ago. And now I'm like paying mm-hmm. taxes. <laughs> um, yeah. So. That's like, and that's how development works. And I yeah. mean, like I once, I once had to, I've actually, unfortunately had to have this conversation a couple times. Um, but I, I had a conversation once with a 14 year old who was dating a 16 year old. Oh no, no, no. Um, yes. And that's... here's the thing, like you can, <laughs> When you're 14, you're never going to be able to convince that 14-year-old of the issue. But as soon as you're 16, you understand. (laughs) You understand what the problem is. That's exactly it. And it's like, I know that that sort of issue, because I remember there was a, a, I knew through somebody else, it was like a friend of a friend who turned into basically the enemy of a friend because of this. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It was somebody who is a senior who started dating a freshman and it was like technically legal because he was 17 about to turn 18 and she was 14 and i was like this is legitimately disgusting like <laughs> this is oh yeah not okay because i mean you're looking you look at them like standing next to each other and it was literally like an adult and a child <laughs> like yes it's, it's yeah not, it's not okay uh it's not okay. Yeah, I definitely knew seniors who were d- interested in d- exclusively dating freshmen because yeah. because they knew. Because when you're a senior, you understand how immature a, a 14-year-old yeah. is and how impressionable it's they are and how easy they are to thing, yeah. push around. Um, well, uh, it is ambiguous then exactly how old they are, though. I think that there's a later episode where they celebrate Marionette's birthday, and we'll we'll learn for sure. And I hope so, or else this is like Schrodinger's age. yeah uh the the, most of this episode is going to take place at this museum uh in the middle of this egyptian uh, exposition exposition Mm -hmm. no uh exhibit in the middle of this egyptian (laughs) exhibit um and tiki suggests to marionette that she goes to see this exhibit so in the french version the exhibit is on the pharaoh akhenaten who Mm -hmm is king tut's dad he was the pharaoh who had king tut and his uh queen who is mentioned in this episode is uh, nefertiti who was his real actual wife in real life uh, who did actually uh, die before him uh, before he could have tut Mm -hmm. they were real actual people real historical figures who were really married (laughs) okay (laughs) the english version decided that, I guess, Akhenaten was not a recognizable enough Egyptian name and decided instead that the exhibit is on King Tut, who is more recognizable in America. But... Wait a minute. The, <laughs> the queen is still Nefertiti, who was married to Akhenaten and who died before King Tut was born. So, wait a minute. So it's like his dead stepmom? <laughs> yes, his late stepmom. Oh my gosh. That's... 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. They did not exist at the same time, but they were both real people. And <laughs> it, it, it's ridiculous that it production company thought that it was okay to fictionalize a, a country's actual history like this. Like, can you imagine yeah. that you were, if you were watching an American cartoon and someone was like, Oh, oh no, we got to fight the ghost of Abraham Lincoln and his wife, Martha Washington. Like, you... <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's even you funnier notice. because they have different last names. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. That would be, yeah, people would be throwing riots over that. Like, yeah. Legitimately. In America, people, people, a lot of, a lot of people in America take our uh, history extremely seriously. Like, yes, but only, only the parts that they like. Um, <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's very strange that they would change that because King Tut is a more recognizable name, because that doesn't make any sense from like the point of teaching kids stuff, like. Okay, I don't know if I've talked about this before on on the show, but this is something that I feel very strongly about, is that the primary purpose of children's entertainment is to teach kids, whether that be, like, literally, like, educational material or just teaching them life lessons. Or, in this case, you have a chance to teach them a little bit of history. And it's like, well, <laughs> you just mm-hmm. didn't. Like, like, you just decided that, they, that they're going to be fed misinformation. Yeah. Uh, for no reason other than for, I guess, name recognition, which why would a little kid recognize King Tut over some other pharaoh unless there was, like, literally a King Tut exhibit in their town? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh. yeah, it is uh, unpleasant. Um, and it <laughs> there's a couple other uh, conti- I say continuity errors, uh, historical inaccuracies uh, later on. Yeah. Um, so when we get to the uh, Egyptian exhibit that Tiki wants Marionette to see, uh, and Alia as well, we meet this character who uh, introduces himself as Alex's brother, Alex being a girl in their class. But mm-hmm. Alex would actually not be uh, featured uh, for another two apps. It's actually the episode that we're uh, talking about next. So, uh, in the French airing order, uh, Alex is introduced. Alex's brother is introduced before Alex, even though he introduces mm-hmm. himself as Alex's brother. And we're just supposed to know who that is, apparently. We yeah. To have a psychic link with Thomas, and he'll tell us who that is. Yeah. Also, <laughs> it's not Alex. Like I know I'm saying Alex, but it's it's not A L E X. It's A L I X. It's like Alex. But I mean, they say Alex. Yeah, they so. say Alex. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Alex's brother is very strange. He apparently he he has the I understand that he's he's not like a villain until he gets akumatized, but he has the sort of motivation and character choices of a of a mid two thousands adventure movie villain where he goes into research uh like historical artifacts because he believes in magic yes <laughs> and thinks that he could gain some sort of power yes. by using this ancient magic he, he's supposed to be an actual <laughs> egyptologist and in this yeah. scene he's trying to convince his dad who uh is in charge of the exhibit to let him like take some of the artifacts out of the <laughs> displays and use them to in his own words cast a spell 
And his dad is like, what are you talking about? That isn't real. Shut up. <laughs> even if it and, oh and like gosh. even if it's like oh we found this like really cool like religious ceremony that might have been practiced in egypt it's like okay cool that doesn't mean that we're gonna let you take out the stuff and actually perform the ceremony because you might break the stuff we can just break we can it. study <laughs> we can study like ceremonies and practices like academically we <laughs> You don't yeah. need the stick. There's also the issue that there's, like, no security measures in this museum, apparently. Like, there's no glass around, uh, I forget what the staff is called, but, like, that staff that Pharaoh's held that looked like yeah. a hook. Like, there's none of that. There isn't any alarm that goes off when he tries to touch it, which yeah. has, I've literally been with someone in a museum where they accidentally stood too close to, a, like, a piece of furniture and an alarm went off. Like, <laughs> like there yeah. are supposed to be like motion sensors and stuff that stop people from getting too close to artifacts. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but this this museum is the Louvre, correct? This is the Louvre. I I believe it is the Louvre. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of security at the Louvre. <laughs> yeah, which you would think would be uh one of the most secured museums on earth. Yeah, yeah. The Mona Lisa <laughs> is like two rooms away, but no, uh, no alarms. Um, but he gets akumatized, uh, Hawk Moth, at it again. He actually, in the English dub, doesn't use the word evil eyes this time. He's just like, go forth. Do do it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he actually says. Um, uh, but he gets evilized. And then, uh, again, a discrepancy here because he, uh, in the French version, says, like, harvest the, like, harness the power of your ancestors. And he's going to use it to perform this ancient spell. And it's not clear if what his motivations here are, if he's still just an angry Egyptologist or if he's actually being possessed by the spirit of this dead pharaoh. Yeah, because it makes no gonna, sense. <laughs> yeah, he's going to perform this uh, spell to uh, raise Nefertiti, his dead stepmom, from the dead. So he kidnaps Alia. And uh, while he's taking Alia away... <laughs> Uh, Cat says something to Ladybug, like, oh, they've transformed at this point. Eh, transform. Cat says something to Ladybug, uh, like, um, oh, wow, that, uh, Alia chick is really tough. Uh, weird that he calls her a chick, but, um, her response <laughs> is then to list a bunch of things she doesn't like about Alia, like, oh, by tough, you mean bossy, stubborn, blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, yeah, she is tough. Uh, which is, uh, first of all, <laughs> brutal. Second of all, not good for secret identities because she is pretending she doesn't know Alia later. Yeah, there's so a lot of you do this? weird things. It's it's so weird. It's So, first of all, he captures Alia because he says that she has a pure soul. And then Alia's response to that is, man, those are hard to come by. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And also I want to mention that so there are three full transformation sequences in this episode which is way more than there should be. Like at most we should have two um unless it's like more characters show up then fine whatever. But you can usually tell when a production is having issues trying to fill time in an episode if they use more transformation uh things because it feels like 20 seconds of of screen time which is if you're working in a situation where you only have 22 minutes to tell a story that's quite a bit of time and so cat noir instead of 
just, you know, going off screen and coming back as Cat, he waits around. There's like a scene where he talks to Plague and nothing of substance is actually said. And then he transforms. And I'm like, okay, guys, I get it. Like, you didn't have any ideas about like how to how to fill time with more fights or whatever, because this is so long. And it's even there are times when the transformations literally have to be cut a little bit shorter and the music is sped up because they don't have time for it. And so the fact that there are three full transformations, one with Ladybug and two with Cat, is it like added as soon as I realized he was transforming a second time, I was like, oh my god, I thought this episode couldn't get worse, but it did. <laughs> yeah. It's also weird because he detransforms after using his cataclysm, and then later uh, he is about to detransform. He's run out of time, but we do not see him use his cataclysm a second time. Oh my god, I didn't even realize that. You're right. He doesn't use the cataclysm again. So he just, he detransformed no. for nothing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, but when Ollie is kidnapped, she's very cool about it. She's interviewing her kidnapper, which, as we've said before, is very uh, Lewis Lane. Uh, <laughs> another grievance I have with the English versus French translation is with the scene where we're getting the ladybug lore drop, where we find out, oh, there was a ladybug in ancient Egypt, and she fought evil. Oh, wow, there's been a bunch of ladybugs. Lore. Um, Alia asks her kidnapper uh, in French... Uh, she says, who's that goddess with the black spots on the papyrus? And uh, in English, she says, who's that goddess chick on the papyrus? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, this show likes to use the word chick a lot, which um, yeah, I think the uh, sort of implications of that word is a discussion for maybe another time because there's a lot to like sort of unpack there. <laughs> but um, Yeah, it's not. Nice. Like, even if you're a person who's learned to use it casually and means no ill by it, it's still not a polite word. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's especially if you're especially if you're like referring to a goddess. <laughs> yeah, it's not the word that who's I that use. goddess chick. She she didn't have to say the word chick. She could have just said who's that goddess on the papyrus, and it would have been fine. <laughs> oh who's, my god, who's that dame over there with all the supernatural power? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh yeah uh alia seems to be living in like three different decades simultaneously <laughs> i love her i love she's like one of the best characters but like oh my gosh yeah like please get a handle on your vocabulary mm -hmm. uh also in that same scene king tut says that uh, ladybug defeated him five thousand years ago no, she did not, because neither King Tut nor the pharaoh that this was actually supposed to be was alive. Oh 5,000 years ago, the ferret was uh, <laughs> Sanak. Uh, Sanak, Sanak. Uh, he was, uh, fun fact, the Egyptian pharaoh 5,000 years ago was most likely this guy, uh, Sanaket, and uh, he was the tallest Egyptian pharaoh at 6'2". Man, he got me beat out. This mother yeah. is taller than me. <laughs> <laughs> um, now we gotta go find his bones. Fight him. <laughs> fight him right now. Um, I'll wear my. I'll wear three inch heels. And then he won't be able to. He won't be able to talk mm -hmm. down to me because I'll be. I'll be taller than him. <laughs> <laughs> I. I really enjoy in this fight because uh, he needs a hundred mummies as part of the offering. 
So they just copy and paste the same mummy over and over again uh, with the exact same animation yes. that is offset by like one or two frames. <laughs> I love the mummies. Did you notice the sounds that the mummies are making? No. The walla in this scene, instead of being like monster noises, rah, rah, is instead just voice actors going, rar, rar. <laughs> it's just rars. It's it's great, Walla. It's fantastic. Oh my gosh, she okay. When Alia is being sacrificed, two things. One, Ladybug like talks. Uh, what's his face out of it? He, she's like, "Hey, uh, sacrifice me instead," and he's like, "Yes, good idea." Even though this makes no sense. And then Alia gets upset, and she's like, "Wait a minute, no, I'm good sacrificing material." I'm like. You you were about to yeah, die. I, um, second of all, I do think that that's. I thought that that was yeah. funny. <laughs> second of all, mm-hmm. oh, I was just gonna say, why is the? It's like a beam of light, but it's acting like a pole. Yeah, like she's sitting on a beam of light, <laughs> and it's like pushing her into the air. It. <laughs> you know, I. I'd be okay with, uh, you know, oh, the beam of light lifts you up into the air. Yeah, fine, whatever. What I wasn't okay with was the fact that he puts Alia on the beam of light by her navel and she planks into the air. (laughs) It is is so awkward looking. It's so bizarre. Oh my gosh. Um, But I did enjoy the uh, solution to this issue of her like using her own merchandise to trick him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, about that merchandise. <laughs> so, when she summons the ladybug costume with her lucky charm, I don't remember what she he says in French or English. Cat says something, you know, something terrible like he always does. Like, what are we going to do with that? Um, but what he says in the Korean dub, I think Korean miraculous might be maybe the purest form of miraculous, uh-huh. more pure than the French, because what he says to her is you want me to wear that (laughs) (laughs) yes let's trick let's trick him by by thinking by him uh thinking that you're me Mm -hmm. you're gonna get sacrificed cat (laughs) oh my gosh you're the pure soul yeah um that's that's basically all that happens in this episode it's like (laughs) it's it's very strange it doesn't feel I don't know. I and I, I don't think we mentioned his powers. His powers is that he can like call upon the powers of Egyptian gods, which I think was really cool. But then also he has like an extra yeah, that was neat. power, which is putting people in time bubbles, which means that he's just like the bubbler but better. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> he puts people in time bubbles and he turns people into mummies. Uh, it's it's great. Um, we didn't even talk about the main conflict of this episode, which is the oh, fact that Marionette yeah. is trying to get this history textbook back from Alia so that she doesn't, so she can't figure out that Ladybug is a teenager at her high school. By the way, another uh, thing about the French versus English translation, I don't know where they said this quite there, but uh, in the French version, the problem isn't that, oh no, uh, uh, I'm Ollie's going to know when I don't have my textbook that it's me. The problem is that Marionette's name is written in the front of the book. And so if Alia opens it, she will know that she is Ladybug. But Alia doesn't open it, and Marionette uh, swipes it from her at some point when she's not looking and puts it in her magic pocket. Yeah, <laughs> I think that that might be a cultural thing, because we don't really... 
write our names in textbooks in America. I did it like twice in like elementary school and then they never made me do it Yeah. ever again. Like when you have to check it out from mm-hmm. the library, uh, they just have like a computer list of like who has which ones and it's like synced up to your barcode. Like, <laughs> like there, yeah. there isn't really a, a cause for, for actually using that bit in the front where you sign who's had this textbook. Yeah. And like if you eat a peanut butter sandwich too close to your textbook, the school charges you $100. Yeah. So you, you wouldn't write in it with marker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got, I got, uh, I almost had to get charged once because the, it was like a textbook that I don't even think I opened for like the entire year. It was like, it, oh, what subject was it? It was like, we had like an online textbook though, that it was like easier to use. Uh, and so I just used the online one and they tried to charge me for like, for like spilling something in the textbook and I was like I literally didn't even open this it should be in your records that this was here before because I didn't open this book <laughs> like I, I never <laughs> used it and they still tried to charge me and I had to fight them on it and I was like no I'm not paying for this book that I literally didn't touch for an entire year <laughs> like uh but yeah she gets the, she gets the textbook back mirac- miraculously uh pun not intended until it was um uh but again i don't know where she puts it she like snatches it from alia's bag in the museum but it's unclear where it is once it's out of alia's bag and alia's like oh man i i lost the book well hold on meredith's like smiling to herself like i did it i'm like but what did you do? Like, where is it? You like, you still don't have your book because it's not on you. It's not in your person. <laughs> yeah, she she stored it somewhere in the Louvre, which, as we know, is very easy to break into after hours <laughs> and just take whatever you want. So she went back for it later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the last scene of this uh, episode is Marionette and Tiki gabbing about all the lore they learned about how there have been lots of ladybugs, but Marionette's Tiki's favorite ladybug. And Marionette holds Tiki cupped in both hands and eats her. She raises her to her mouth. And I know it's supposed to be like a forehead kiss, but, but you, can't you can't see, see her. Tiki in the shot. Time to consume your power, Tiki. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's a very strange end to an otherwise heartwarming moment. Because, I mean, they have like a good relationship, but it's sort of like, it's like this weird sort of like sisterly, maybe like motherly uh, like connection that Tiki has to Marinette, and she's like really proud of her and like always encouraging her. And then Marinette like <laughs> cups her in her gigantic hands <laughs> and like kisses her, but you can't see her. And it's like, wait a minute, this is really weird. Like this is a weird way to end the episode. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> Credits roll. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Tiki is dead. Uh, Tiki is dead. Uh. Uh (laughs) Next episode is uh, in English called Time Breaker, but in French, uh, Chrono Girl. Mm -hmm. It aired fifth in France. France, it aired after the one we just watched. In English, it aired before the one we just watched, which makes more sense because Alex is introduced. So we understand later when uh, the guy whose name I can never remember introduces himself as Alex's brother. Yeah. This was actually my second favorite episode so far because I this is the first time that I've legitimately believed that like the the negative emotions that were strong enough to be akumatized were like fully justified. <laughs> um, because I mean yeah. the episode follows there's like there's an A and a B plot uh and I I mean I guess they're I don't know what would technically I guess the the cake thing is the B plot because there's more focus on the on the watch thing 
But basically, Alex gets a family heirloom uh, from her dad. This It's like this crazy holographic watch that is apparently from hundreds of years ago. Her dad is like, oh, the person who built this in our family was ahead of his time. And it's literally a watch from the 17 or 1800s that has a digital hologram coming out of it which is wild and immediately she's like this is the coolest thing i've ever seen i will totally protect this with my life and then chloe breaks it (laughs) Um, so i think this is justified (laughs) in being angry oh yeah and it's i remember thinking when i first saw this that the weird sci-fi watch was a odd break from structure because typically the circumstances of akumatization even though they take place in this world where magic is real are very grounded Mm -hmm. which is something that i like it there's never a a sci-fi fantasy reason for why someone was akumatized it was always like something that could really happen yeah and the element of this watch that is uh, a hundred year old vintage digital watch uh, (laughs) felt strange to me and it makes sense because later this watch comes back in a more plot-heavy way. Yeah, I thought that it was interesting that um, they established so early on Alex's, I guess, relation to time travel, which, if you have mm-hmm. not seen the rest of the show, sounds like a crazy thing to say. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Let's, let's leave it at that. Let's, yeah, let's leave, that leave it at that. Uh, we're not going to go into too many spoilers. <laughs> For the many people who are listening to this podcast who have never seen Miraculous Ladybug, who just like our voices, this one's for you. Yeah. (laughs) I know that there's so many of you out there. Um. (laughs) I really like the portrayal of Marionette's parents as still very, very in love after 20 years together. Oh my gosh, they're so cute. Yeah, it's great. You don't see that enough in media. So often you just see like parents like bickering and hating each other. It's so nice Mm -hmm. to see two adults who are genuinely, genuinely like each other. Yeah, and still, like, in a healthy relationship. And it's like, wow. Yeah. They're, like, so excited because it's their 20th anniversary and they're going out for a nice uh, a nice lunch. And it kind of sucks that Marinette almost ruined that for them. <laughs> like, okay, in, <laughs> yeah. okay, in one timeline she does. She literally just ruins their lunch and, like, stresses her dad out. And the other one, it's like, uh, I have a heads up, so I'm going to send this other me to the... <laughs> bakery <laughs> just like she, she still gets a call but then he uh she they come back after this whole debacle and she's like oh how was it like how was your how was your dinner or your lunch or whatever he's like uh it was great almost ruined though <laughs> yeah wow way to just lay it out of the table mr dupen chang <laughs> yeah it's uh marionette's got a spider-man thing going on in this episode where she's trying to balance like oh my superhero life with my family life with also my social life and you know i empathize that i've I've been in high school it is hard to balance all that and i didn't even usually fight crime (laughs) yeah i didn't i didn't even become a vigilante superhero and i had a hard time juggling all that Yeah. Um, um, I also noticed with uh, Marinette's parents, um, her mom has light gray eyes and her dad has bright green eyes. Mm-hmm. Neither of them have Marinette's blue eyes. And I did some research to see if that meant that Marinette is adopted. Um, it's possible for two pe- <laughs> one person who has green eyes and one person who has another color eyes to have a kid with blue eyes. It's very unlikely, but it is possible. Okay. <laughs> um. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love her parents. Um, I don't like Alex's dad as much. <laughs> uh, I don't know if Alex's mom is in the picture. Um, 
but uh, her dad is not super support. I mean, I get it. It's like he wasn't like mean to her, I guess. And it's like if you're going to a nice restaurant, yes, like maybe dress up a little bit. But he was like very like unsupportive, I guess, of like the fact that she just wanted to dress in a way that made her comfortable. Which like if you have as much money as they apparently do because he was like dressed so nice and they have this wonderful family heirloom and stuff. It's like, well, you can afford to have your kid be a little weird with like very little consequences. Like you can, you can just do this. You can just let her do what she wants to do and like be happy with herself. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I understand being rubbed the wrong way by a, a, a TV dad criticizing his TV daughter's clothes. Yeah. It's like, it's oh, no, no, get away from her. I'll protect her. <laughs> It's, yeah, but, um, so the, the, the watch is destroyed. The watch that she is given as a family heirloom is destroyed because she has to go to a race, which Marinette also has to go to, and she abandons her responsibility of being at the store while someone picks up, to pick up a cake. Uh, she goes to this race that Alex is going against, what's, I don't know what his name is, the, the jock guy who's, his na- what was his name? His his name is Kim, and Kim. we need to talk about Kim. So, <laughs> uh, so Marinette's got a balance going to this race to support her friends with also uh, letting somebody into the bakery to get their order and also being a superhero, I guess. Uh, but this race that they're all going to observe is a race between Kim and Alex. Kim is going to be on foot and Alex is going to be on rollerblades. And this was Kim's idea. (laughs) Kim challenged Alex to a foot versus rollerblades race. And here's, here's what Alex gets if she wins. So apparently Kim has been... Uh, daring the other kids in class to do a lot of things like a lot of extreme stunt dares and things like that and the whole class hates it so Alex says okay well if I win this one you have to stop daring people to do contests with you and he's like fine and the whole class is like yeah yeah we want you to win Alex because we hate what Kim's been doing to us and at no point does anyone realize that if you don't want to do the things that Kim dares you to do and you all agree on that, the dare has no power. You don't have to do what Kim tells you yeah, to do. I don't know why he has any sort of social power in this situation because he's essentially just turned into a jerk that nobody likes. Like You don't have to listen to him. Like, you don't have to. There's nothing stopping you from just doing what you want. It's very strange. Um, yeah, Kim. Uh, Kim becomes more lovable later in yeah. the series. It takes a little bit, but he does become a a nicer person. <laughs> um, but yeah, this this race is well also wild that he, but despite being on foot, almost like wins. Like it's pretty close. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's impressive. So I don't want to know Man, what that it would is a look jock. like if he was also on rollerblades. Um, but she so Alex takes the watch and she gives it to Alia and she's like here hold this it's a family heirloom I don't want to drop it and I don't want anything to happen to it Alia says wait a Mm -hmm. minute I have to uh record this so Marinette you hold it and Marinette's like wait a minute no I have to hold the banner and then she almost drops it but Adrian catches it and is like oh I'll hold this for you and Marinette's like oh thank god but then Chloe comes over to Adrian (laughs) and snatches it and is like, what's this? And he's like, hold on, like, be careful, that's Alex's heirloom. <laughs> and then Chloe says, 
well, if it's Alex's, then it must be worthless. And then drops it. Uh, it falls onto like the track where they're racing, and then Alex runs over it with her skates. Yeah. But also, I want to say that there is... I forget like what the other line was, but I... Um, Oh, it was, it was Chloe asks if it's a phone case. And then the second line <laughs> is, if it's Alex's, it must be worthless. There is some time travel elements, which we'll get to. <laughs> but in the first time that she says that, she says it, what is this a phone case? Adrian says, hold on, it's Alex's. And then she says, if it's Alex's, then it must be worthless. When they come back, she says, is this a phone case? If it's Alex's, it must be worthless. And then Adrian says, wait, that's Alex's. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't yeah, make any sense. Yeah, I noticed that <laughs> like, too. I'm like, why would this conversation happen in this way? Like, she knows that it's Alex's because she's reading his mind or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, a minor continuity error. Yeah. But it was it was enough that I noticed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chloe is at it again with her instigating action. And it's like, every, everyone understands that it, this was Chloe's fault. But... N- no, like they all feel responsible for breaking Alex's mm-hmm. thing in one way or the other. Like Alia passed it off, and then Marinette passed it off, and then Chloe took it from Adrian. And uh, but it, Chloe is so clearly at fault here, and it's just another instance yeah. of everybody watching Chloe do something cartoonishly evil, and nobody, everyone being like, "Well, we're all gonna keep painting out with Chloe." Yeah, <laughs> and I keep think that, and I understand that it was an accident, but. It was an yeah. accident, and it was, I think that this is one of the better, like, structured episodes and sort of, like, the lesson that needs to be learned. Because with the cake thing, it's like, oh, Marinette needs to learn to put her responsibilities first because there are people who are relying on her. Uh, and then with the the watch thing, it's, like, same thing where Alia was asked to do this thing, uh, and she decided to just pass it off to somebody else, and it ended up, like, domino-affecting into a really horrible mm-hmm. event happening. And it's like, okay, well, that makes sense. However, it was entirely Chloe's fault. <laughs> like, like 100% yes. of the situation. If, if Chloe had not done that, then Marinette would have made it back in time to the, to the store to give the woman her cake. And literally, there would be no conflict. <laughs> like, if Adrian had just been allowed to hold it, everything would be fine. No one would be akubatized. The cake would get delivered. Everything is good. <laughs> yes. Uh... Um, once she finds out that her watch has been destroyed by everybody's group lack of responsibility, but mostly Chloe, uh, <laughs> she says out loud, you're all to blame. And you can't say stuff like that and not expect to become a supervillain. That's a yes. supervillain thing. She says it while she's crying. Um, also, I notice, I noticed this during the scene where we sh- shoot back to Hawk Moth and we see his giant window open. The butterflies all sit in a perfect circle around Hawk Moth until the window opens and then they fly around the room. They are very well trained butterflies. Huh? <laughs> yeah. It's almost as if someone put them there. <laughs> Animators being like, no one will notice the lights are off. <laughs> <laughs> no one will notice my room full of butterflies. <laughs> Uh, very cool villain design for Alex, who's gonna yes. be, who's now time stopper, time breaker. Cr- yeah, she chrono freezes break people girl, and or... quote unquote steals their energy to go back in time, which I think That's is a pretty nice cool. way of putting it. Yeah, um, she is murdering people. She is yeah, murdering she's people. She's killing yes. them. She's yeah, she's erasing them from. They, if she if she touches them, then they freeze in time, and then their body starts to slowly decay and like like turn invisible. Um, which is wild for a kid's show. Um, but she also 
is like manipulative. Like there's a point where Ladybug um like hits her skate or whatever and she falls and then she acts as though she is in need of help because she got hurt and she tricks Rose who is another classmate which I don't know if we've mentioned her yet but she's like this very sweet kind girl. Uh she tricks Rose into thinking that she's like seriously hurt and needs help getting up and then t- and like grabs her wrist and like kills Rose. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Oh my god. <laughs> this episode is terrifying. Yeah. It, it's oddly <laughs> dark. It's just, it's just got a slight tonal shift. Um the uh, there's an attempt to like c- uh, kind of cut the horror a little bit by when you uh, just cut back to people. Every time you cut back to someone who's already been frozen, mm-hmm. you see that their mouth is a little bit more comically huge. Yeah. <laughs> um uh-huh. And we also get the uh, moment where Cat Noir literally gives his life for Ladybug. Yes! <laughs> so this is honestly like like the most endearing thing I think that Cat has done so far. Like he is so willing to put his life on the line for other people, like specifically for Ladybug, but you know for other people, full stop. That he literally dies for her. So he like. She's about to get touched by Timebreaker, and then he uh, ends up... Well, okay, he ends up wrapping her ar- his arms around her and, like, blocking the blow, uh, which could have been thought out more because, you know, now she has to get out of that arm lock, but... <laughs> yeah. But it's like... Th- this is the- you can go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I usually find it incredibly unromantic whenever anybody's like, I'm gonna jump in front of this thing and sacrifice yeah. myself for you. Because it's so clearly a display. Because any situation where you have time to get in front between them and the thing, you also could have knocked them out of the way. Like he one hundred percent could. If he's got time to get between Marionette and the villain, he could he could have moved her. He could have smacked the villain. There were other things he could have done. It was a very practical sacrifice, though, because. If Ladybug disappears, there's no one to de-evilize the Akuma and mm-hmm. bring all the other people back by uh, miraculous Ladybugging. Um, so it's very practical. Yeah, it's like if if one of us has to go, like he knows that it's him. Like, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. there's also about this uh, episode. Uh, I didn't notice this until halfway through, but did you notice how many very very detailed shots of Alex's butt there are. I did not notice that. I did <laughs> notice that there was a lot of weird facial animation, but I did not. That's another thing. It's like whenever you, you have, like when you're making a kid show, you have to think about this stuff because when you're putting kids in like spandex suits, you have to make sure mm-hmm. that like the shots that you are showing could not be interpreted as like sexualizing them, which some people yeah. are like, Oh, well, that's like restrictive. It's like, yeah, well then maybe put them in a different outfit like you you, you read yeah. what you sew dude <laughs> you, gotta, you, uh-huh. you have to work with what you got um which is put her in cool skater shorts yeah that's one of the things like um and it's like unavoidable sometimes like i know that like toei has a very strict like non-sexualization policy with like all their magical properties including sailor moon cool but like even because mm-hmm. i have like a sailor moon figure because of course i do because i am uh, a recovering weeaboo. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I have a, a Sailor Venus figure. Um, and when I was like looking at it, there were like people who were like, oh, you can see your panties. And it's like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> like, like, don't, 
don't want to like talk to you people who are who are like sexualizing this like 16 17 year old i forget how old she is like girl like this is this is a kid like stop it like they it's it's weird because like when you transform something from 2d to 3d sometimes that happens but now with like a lot of kids shows they say okay if it's a magical girl and she's wearing a dress we're gonna put a ton of like frilly stuff like under her skirt so that we can just fill that up instead of having to show any sort of like crotch area in a 3d model which was like the mm-hmm. perfect solution and it's like it's like oh yes like now i can buy figures and not worry about creeps online when i look at reviews for the figures talking about like <laughs> looking at their panties like these are kids i just want a cool anime yeah. figure dude <laughs> Even if even if you're wearing a show accurate version of the costume, like when you actually like I've put on like morph suits and stuff for costumes like you it it doesn't Mm -hmm. like so long as you're wearing the right size, it doesn't cling to you the way some of these outfits are like the fact that you can see all of the curves of Alex's butt is not realism that's not what it actually looks like when you have fabric over your body. You shouldn't be able to see that. That's just someone instead of putting yeah it looks like instead of putting like a layer of fabric over the model they just use the model itself like the skin of the model the mesh as the fabric so there isn't it's not like there is you know like the model itself and then on top of that a layer of fabric that sort of morphs around the skin they just like negated that and said the skin is the is this so Whatever curves is on the character's body, that is what is going to be visible in the uh, here's, here's uh, a, suit. Here's a question for you. Um, do CG models of people usually have butts? Um, I personally have not worked with a model that has a detailed butt. <laughs> okay. Because um, like, when you like, say model, I'm always picturing with the clothes on. But it, no, does the model start with an out clothes? Especially, yeah, um, usually it'll be like, uh, like just like the skin color and then maybe, uh, sort of, if not like actual, like underwear or like a bra or whatever, it'll just be like sort of, uh, mapped out like an area that is covered in a different color, basically, uh, that like is indicating this is the chest and this is like the pelvis. Um, but most models do start out just as like the basic skin color, but I, because they're always covered, basically, um, especially for like, you know, kids entertainment. It's like, you always have, you're always going to have clothes on your kids characters. Um, the crotch area is not like well-defined usually. It's like well-defined enough that you, you know, don't get clipping and stuff if you move the legs too much. But, um, it's not like something that is necessarily needed because it's going to be covered. <laughs> like It shouldn't like, I don't know. And it's, you could argue it's like, oh, well, they're like in skin tight suits. It's like, yeah, okay. But then like, if you're using the, the mesh of the actual model, like the skin of the model as the suit, then you should just model it to make it look like she's wearing a suit. <laughs> like you, you don't have to model it to make it look like she's naked. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, mm. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, it's a little bit troubling. <laughs> I, I realized halfway through the scene where they're MacGyvering the Lucky Charm that I wasn't paying attention at all. <laughs> I totally fuzz out during the lady, during the Lucky Charm scenes. Like, oh yeah, then she gets a thing and she does what, something. <laughs> Just, I was, it was over my head. I have no clue what she did. She, like, okay, she Lucky Charmed uh, 
I think like a traffic cone for some reason, and then like a thing, like a, a metal brace or whatever to hook their feet together. So she, there's two Time Breakers now because Time Breaker 1 went back in time and then Time Breaker 2 was akumatized. So there's two of them. And there's also two Ladybugs because Ladybug came back with Time Breaker 1, which is extremely convoluted. <laughs> so she has two Lucky Charms. So the first one is like this metal bar. Uh, the Time Breakers come at her and she links their uh, two legs together. So it's sort of like a three-legged race thing. Like she ties their legs together uh, and they can't slow mm-hmm. down because they can't move properly. And then the second ladybug props up a sign with a traffic cone and they launch into the air off of this ramp <laughs> that she has MacGyvered. And they, uh, while they are in the air, both ladybugs each take one skate off of each time breaker and break it. And that's how they get the Akuma. And it is so wildly convoluted. Um, it's also very there's like some weird jokes with adrian about there being two ladybugs and i'm like please stop it dude. <laughs> please stop yeah. i don't want to hear it this isn't even the only episode where this happens there are yeah. other episodes with multiple ladybugs <laughs> someone's oh got a thing but probably the most i mean i really really enjoy this episode i think that the fight choreography is really good uh they used 2d effect animation which i thought looked uh, pretty good most of the time there were a couple times where it was a little bit overbearing but i thought that it was used well um and uh but the the one thing the thing that like really sours this episode for me is that they just don't yeah. address that there are multiple timelines now <laughs> so when she throws her her uh thing into the air and she says miraculous ladybug um the one of the things that the swarm of ladybugs uh fixes is that there are two ladybugs and it swarms around her and then there's just one and she's living in the better timeline where she didn't mm-hmm. like mess up her her parents anniversary dinner by not doing her responsibility uh and she has defeated the akuma and it's like well that's really lucky for you huh <laughs> so which one of you died <laughs> yeah like, i just i <laughs> I don't even want to get into how time travel works in this show. Yeah. They, it, they've it's it's the route that makes the least amount of sense when you think about it, but serves the the plot perfectly. Uh, there's more time travel in this series as we get uh, into later seasons, uh, and it uh, you can't think about it, you can't dwell on it, <laughs> you can't. Yeah. Um. But overall, a pretty good episode, I would say. It was okay. And it did endear yeah. me to Alex, uh, who I don't remember being endeared to the first time I watched this show, but I really enjoy her character. Uh, even yeah. if she is sort of like Alia and that she uses like weird slang and like acts like how a 40-year-old <laughs> thinks a 12-year-old acts. <laughs> oh, yeah. Alex is definitely a uh, uh, a person who ha- is not currently frequently interacting with children's idea of what a cool kid is like. Uh, as cool as she is, though, you know who's cooler? Mr. Pigeon! Oh my yes. gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love this. This is literally my favorite episode. I had a blast watching this. There are so many mm-hmm. wonderful things in it. Um, I, <laughs> I want to be friends with Mr. Pigeon. I'm so yes. good. Because I, I love pigeons. I got to say this. A lot of people don't like them. I love them. I go to downtown Los Angeles and I am in heaven because there are just fat birds everywhere around me 
Um, mm-hmm. I don't feed them because I don't know what is healthy for pigeons to eat, <laughs> but but uh-huh. I do like them. Uh, I do like to watch them hop around and eat crumbs off the floor and stuff. Uh, <laughs> so I was immediately endeared to this dude because it's like I too, if given the opportunity, if I had like proper birds eat and stuff, I too would go around to all the parks in town and just sit and like talk to pigeons. <laughs> He's so well. Relatable. You wouldn't. You wouldn't if you lived in Paris because this is true. It is illegal to feed the pigeons in Paris. Is that why the cop got mad at him? I thought that dude was just being like rude. <laughs> yeah yeah well let, let, let's start at the beginning so this episode was sixth in french but second in english i think it was a good uh idea to put this one uh, at the front in the american airing mm-hmm. order uh mr pigeon pigeon is one of the three original villains featured in the ladybug promotional video uh, along oh, with wonderful. hawk moth and the mime who we will meet later yes so he is og um now th- this uh this episode starts out, uh, everybody at school talking about a fashion contest. There's going to be a school fashion contest, and they're going to get to design hats, and then the person who designs the best hat that Adrian's dad's company is going to make that hat, and Adrian's going to wear it. Um, Marinette, as we know, is an aspiring fashion designer, mm-hmm. and one of the problems with having your protagonist be an aspiring fashion designer is that at some point you need to show the audience the kind of things that they design. And <laughs> and when, when you're, you know, uh, a person who went into 3D animation and not fashion, maybe that's something that's difficult for you. Uh, so Marionette's, there are shots here of Marionette's sketchbook, and it's not the same stuff that we see her drawing later. It looks like, it, it, ju- it looks like they maybe had some kids actually draw stuff. Yeah, they probably took, uh, like, an, they probably had someone actually design stuff and then, like, uh, put it just, like, into the texture, like, on the book. Uh, mm-hmm. Sort of, like, mapped it over the, the mesh. But, um, I mean, I didn't, like, get, like, a good look at them. But I was like, yeah, that looks like a design sketchbook. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, those design sketchbooks you always see. Yeah, those design sketchbooks. Um, Marionette. Uh, she needs inspiration because obviously she has designed the best hat for Adrian. And so she tells Alia that she's going to her secret garden of inspiration. And did you recognize the place she goes? No. <laughs> uh, it's Trocadero. It's the Jardins du Trocadero. It's this garden of beautiful water fixtures that are across from the Eiffel Tower. It is one of the most famous like fixtures in Paris. Like and she might have been like, I, I know this really like out of the way secret burger joint. You're going to love it. And then taking you to in and out <laughs> real hole in the wall place. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. Oh my gosh. Going to my, my secret tower of inspiration. Are you going to the Eiffel tower marionette? It's my secret inspiring tower. <laughs> I mean, she's literally looking at the Eiffel tower, like while she's doing this, um, I gotta say, because there's like a montage of her throwing out different designs. I like some of the other designs mm-hmm. that she threw out more than the one that she goes with. Yeah, I didn't think they were that bad. They don't look anything like the sketches that were in her sketchbook before. Mm-hmm. So the, not completely consistent. But yeah, I don't hate them. And while she's sitting there sketching uh, hats, uh, a man arrives. Yes. Now, this man who arrives, his name is Mr. Remier, uh, or Remier, 
Ramier. It's probably pronounced Ramier. Uh, Ramier is a kind of pigeon, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. Uh, according to the wiki, I think this is also something that Thomas Estruck tweeted. His first name is Xavier. Okay, well, <laughs> I can't divorce Xavier from X-Men, so I'm, I'm going to have to just call him Mr. Pigeon because I can't think about this for too long. <laughs> yeah, he's Mr. Pigeon. Also, uh, did you his voice actor, did his voice sound at all familiar to you? It did sound familiar, but I couldn't pin it down, and then I forgot to look it up. <laughs> he also voices uh, Alex's dad in the episode that we just watched. Yeah, this is Tony Patterson, and he does uh, dubbing voices. Pretty much every anime you've ever seen in English dub, he did a voice on. I I wrote down some of the ones that you've probably heard of, like Glitter Force, Hitalia, Attack on Titan, One Punch Man, Oran Host Club, Free, Soul Eater, Black Butler. (laughs) Wait a minute. This is like almost the exact same list as Bryce Paffenbrook, voice of Adrian, who also does every anime known to man. He was the main character in Attack on Titan, and that was the first time I ever heard his voice, was watching the Attack on Titan dub. Um, mm-hmm. Who did he play in Oran High School House Club? He played one of the twins. Uh, Hikaru. I think it was, yeah, he played Hikaru. Oh my god. <laughs> I know, Mr. Pigeon is Hikaru. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh man, now I'm gonna have to like go and like listen to uh like a like those compilations on YouTube of like voice actors' roles. I'm gonna have to listen to one of those for him because this is crazy. Yeah. This is blowing my mind. <laughs> also, also the ones I thought you might be the most excited about. He did voices in Kill a Kill, My Hero Academia, and Sailor Moon. Hell yes! I'm also excited about Glitter Force because that is the English dub of Precure, even though I haven't seen right. it. Right. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh. He's also credited as being one of the voices on Club Penguin. Club Penguin had voices? Yeah, right? I don't... Wait it's a been a, a while, but I don't yeah, remember I mean, Club Penguin being shut down, so, like, We have no like <laughs> way to like go there now, but from when we played, at least, like in elementary school, it was like just text boxes. Like There wasn't any like voices. It was just sound effects and music. Yeah, I, d- I guess there, at some point there was something. What does that mean? I don't know. He does a bunch of video games, though. Um, so this man, this beautiful man, all he wants to do is feed pigeons, which is unfortunately illegal in Paris. Uh, they're considered pests. Um, and so one of the, the mm-hmm. cops, Roger, comes up to him and <laughs> says to him... Now, Miss Mr. Remier, you're you're you know your bands from every park in Paris. I just want to say there are 421 municipal parks and gardens in France. If he stands <laughs> from all of them, he can't walk through France. He's dedicated, dude. Like, can't they just make an exception for this one man? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> please, I'm begging, I'm begging France to make an exception for this one dude to feed pigeons. He literally became a supervillain because of it. I think it's, like, mm-hmm. fine if he feeds some. Roger is such a jerk about it as well. He's so worried about these pigeons, which I know is illegal, but, like, Roger, your city is full of supervillains. Why are you worried about this? If anything, he should be worried about this man becoming a supervillain, which happens every time you're a little mean to someone in Paris. Exactly. Uh, also, because this is how granular I'm getting on these rewatches. I was pausing and looking at the logos on Roger's polo to figure out his rank. 
and uh, I think they're they're uh-huh. fake. Uh, he doesn't. It doesn't appear to have a clear rank. They're not exact the exact logos that the actual French police use. But I did notice that he has a medical alert bracelet. Uh, <laughs> that's just something I noticed while going frame by frame <laughs> through this episode, thinking about what a monster Roger is. He also has a medical alert bracelet, and I don't know diabetes or epilepsy or something. Something <laughs> mm-hmm. like that. It's his. It's his high blood pressure from. Being a jerk all the time and screaming at people who just want to feed pigeons. Marionette watching this says to Tiki that she almost feels sorry for this man. Almost. I know. I was like, just feels. What do you mean almost? And it's like, Tiki's like, oh, he's a character. I'm like, yeah, he's cool. Yeah. Like, stop it. Actually, Tiki says, what a unique (laughs) character, which feels like a writer congratulating themselves. All right, it's me, Thomas. Uh, I just want to let everyone know that I think that this character I came up with is yeah. pretty good. <laughs> um, Mister um, Pigeon's design is awesome. Mm. Also, I love it. Like the 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 pink and the gray go so good together. Speaking of fashion, why? What kind of project runway, like time limit are these students on? They have nine hours to make a hat professionally. Yeah. like (laughs) this is this is wild like i understand that it's like you like if somebody knows how to sew they could you know they could probably do that but it's like you're asking like how many kids in this class of what 20 Mm -hmm. kids are you expecting to to know how to make a professional grade hat in that amount well this is this is france like this is france it's the european hub of fashion so everybody it was probably like in kindergarten so they were everyone wants sewing. to be a fashion designer yeah yeah uh marionette <laughs> is gonna make a pigeon inspired hat now she was in- inspired by mr Remiere, as we all are all the time uh and sabrina and chloe do yes. fashion crimes by uh, like taking pictures of marionette's design and then going to make it themselves plagiarizing her design and i am just so sad every second sabrina is on screen interacting with chloe because Chloe is being so so mean. Uh, it's like she literally she get Sabrina gets the photo and says, "Hey, like I got it. We are so awesome." And then Chloe says, "We," and Sabrina's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. You're so awesome, Chloe." And she says it completely sincerely, and my heart broke into a thousand pieces. <laughs> yeah. I was like, she doesn't deserve this emotional abuse. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. I hope that she snaps out of it by the end of the series. <laughs> yeah, I hope there's a turning point for her. Um, so Marina is designing her hat, and she realizes that she needs a pigeon feather and decides to go find one, which is bad. That's bad. Hey, Marinette, you can't use a real pigeon feather. You can't do that. Yeah, that's, that's so not, dirty. <laughs> that's yeah, that's not a good idea. Just get a feather, like yeah. There, there are there are fake feathers that you can use that you can buy. Mm-hmm. I could literally go down to a store right now and like get a fake feather. Like you don't, <laughs> like you could just buy them. It's fine if you if you already have all of this sewing and design equipment, you should have some feathers on hand. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but while she's out looking for that feather, she discovers. Pigeon Man's first act of evil is to use his army of pigeons to stop up public transportation. And, like, Marionette now can't take her bus home because there's too many pigeons in the street. I, okay, I wrote down in my notes here during this scene 
this is my dream. I love pigeons so much. I vibe with this guy so hard. <laughs> if I got off a bus and there were just hundreds of pigeons everywhere, I would just like explode with love and happiness. I love pigeons. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Like what? why can't Marionette just let the pigeons have this? <laughs> Like, why does she have to fight the pigeon man? <laughs> he's not, like... I mean, he he's... he's um the, the most that he's doing is that he is, like, removing park officers, I guess, from their posts. I don't know where he's taking them. But, I mean, it's not like he's, like, doing any harm. Yeah, I mean, eventually, later, it's like, oh, he's kidnapping all the municipal park workers. Like, yeah, that's bad. But before that, Marionette's still trying to fight him. And it's just that, like, he's made the pigeons, like, fly in a flock so that they form the shape of an airplane. Like, militarized (laughs) pigeons flying over Paris. I I took a a video, like, a Snapchat of that, and I sent it to Ashley. And she was like, what is this? Like, why are you watching this? I'm like, well... Let me tell you. <laughs> oh my god. Mm-hmm. It was so funny because it's like this is probably the funniest episode so far, like legitimately the best comedy writing. Um there's a bit where he's on TV yes. and the little I forget what they're called, but like the little titles at the bottom that like say what's going on. Instead of saying like, oh like like Pigeon mm-hmm. Man uh is is terrorizing Paris or like akumatized citizen on on the on the loose or whatever. It just says Roo Roo like the pigeon sound. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like legitimately funny. Um also there is that bit uh which was it was funny until he started kingdom style <laughs> dancing. So Adrian is posing as a, a a person who works at a park uh to try and get kidnapped by Mr. Pigeon so that he can figure out where he's taking everyone. Um, and he's just, it's literally just him like in his normal superhero suit, but wearing a blue hat. Uh, and he's standing, so he's yeah. standing in the park doing nothing. Um, and then he gets bored and starts dancing and it's like funny at first. And then he starts Gangnam style dancing. And I wrote down in my notes that it physically hurt to watch. Um, and Marinette's like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, this seriously? very dated. <laughs> oh my God. I haven't seen anybody like do that dance in like five years. And I had erased it from my mind, and it just, uh, it was like a full body cringe when it happened. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, There's also, there's a point here where they're all trapped in a cage, and then the pigeons surround the cage, and then, like, aim like they're gonna poop on them. Like, that's that's his threat. He's like, uh, he's not, he's not like, I I will destroy you, Ladybug. Like, no, my pigeons will poop on you. a wild thing to threaten when like 30 seconds later we learn that apparently these pigeons have super strength because they nearly break through like a steel door like with just their beaks like i i am concerned for the health of these pigeons that that flew into this door because the indent that they made in that metal was legitimately a foot long (laughs) like it, it really like you know when uh I don't know, like, in, like, cartoons where it's, like, somebody does an indent and it's, like, a little bit indented where they'll be, like, oh, like, it's their face or whatever in this in this shape because they hit this wall so hard or whatever. It's, like, no, this is the indent of probably about 60 different beak marks and it is almost breaking through the, the structure of this door. <laughs> it is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
while they're in the that hotel um the mayor straight up tells ladybug cat noir like I, that he needs the pigeons gone for financial reasons <laughs> and i'm even more i'm like let the birds have paris yeah uh, also, it felt weird because uh, the mayor makes a cat joke. The mayor makes it like the cat noir is like, uh, "Can I use your bathroom?" He's like, "Oh, do you, do you need a litter box?" He's like, "Ha ha ha, I'm funny." And it felt so wrong. Yeah. Like, no, you don't get to make cat jokes, I mean, mayor. Okay, he, You're not a part he, of this. He brushed that one off, but Marinette also made a cat joke, and I don't remember what it was. But he got like really mad at her. <laughs> He's like, "No, no, that's my thing. Nobody else can make cat jokes. That's my thing." <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, there's also, uh, after we find out that he is in fact kidnapping every park ranger in Paris, um, we, there's this exchange between Pigeon and Hawk Moth uh, in his head. And uh, <laughs> I can't remember if this, I think this was uh, in French, but what he says is like, it won't be long, my friend. I can't wait, my pigeon. And then, heh. <laughs> and he fond- he like fondly strokes the pigeon while just laughing to himself. And something about the exchange felt a little bit romantic. Oh my gosh. It's man. It just it just this this is really is the best episode. <laughs> there is so in that final fight, because he Brings them to, I don't know what that building is, but it's just like a big building um, that is shaped like a like a cross, essentially. <laughs> um, and they try and get the element of surprise by dropping in from above, but then Adrian sneezes because he is allergic to feathers, which was a fact that was established earlier on, but we didn't mention because it like doesn't really matter. <laughs> and yeah. uh, so they get caught, and then they're doing their thing or whatever. And I want to say that Generally, I think that the combat in this show is good, and I don't think that this is a bad fight scene, but, like, there is nothing in this room, and, like, one of the most important parts of choreographing a fight scene is that there are things in the room to interact with, there are things in the space that you can use in the fight to make it interesting, and it's just, like, thousands and thousands of square feet with literally nothing. There's, like, a cage on one end that has all the park rangers or whatever they are, and then nothing. And it's like, okay. <laughs> All right, I guess that this is just, they're just going to fist fight because there's so much room in this empty government building. <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, I imagine that if there was anyone or anything else in that building that Pigeon Man uh, like cleared everything out because he was staging this mm-hmm. as a trap. Um, and, uh, but uh, about this fight, like the pigeons turn on him very fast. Like it is very easy to get the pigeons to go against him. They're not that loyal. (laughs) Um, after, uh, Mr. Pigeon, uh, fails in his attempt to get there, Miraculous is, uh, Hawk Moth, Hawk Moth vows to destroy pigeons. Um, so his (laughs) list of enemies is now teens and birds. <laughs> oh my gosh, this man. The worst part is that he has enough money that he could probably do that <laughs> if he yeah. really wanted to. Mm-hmm. And before we discuss the result of the fashion contest, I want to mention something here. It's, uh, I guess, a bit of a spoiler, but you know, this is a spoiler zone. So there is an episode in season three where Mr. Mr. Remier appears again. He's in the background mm-hmm. of a bunch of episodes, but he doesn't like speak again until season three. 
And in that episode, he is de- he's de-akumatized at the beginning of the episode. So he's been akumatized again. And in a conversation w- between him and Ladybug and Cat Noir, it is revealed that since this episode, he has been akumatized 24 times. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah, it takes, Lady- <laughs> it takes Ladybug and Cat Noir like a minute to take him down now. They're so used to it. The- that is absolutely wild because a hawk moth should have given up on him b like you would okay like i would say if i was a member of the city council in in paris i would vouch for this man and say just let him feed the pigeons because every other week now he seems to be getting akumatized because we don't let him and like open up a pigeon sanctuary or something. I don't know. I don't care. Just, like, get this man. Like, let this man feed pigeons so that Paris is safe. Like... Yes. <laughs> yes. Here's the thing, though. In that episode, he it's not just, like... I don't think he's banned from parks anymore. Maybe. But he says something about how, like, anytime anything bad happens to a pigeon, he gets akumatized. Because <laughs> he can't stand it. <laughs> like, somebody tripped, like, kicks a pigeon. Somebody, somebody calls yeah. a pigeon fat. And it's, like, in an endearing way because pigeons are supposed to be fat because that's how they're cute. But it, like, interprets it as an insult and then he becomes akumatized. Yes, he does. <laughs> and Hawk Moth keeps doing it. And here, this yeah. uh, adds on to my theory about the exchange later. Hawk Moth clearly has a crush on this man, which is why he keeps akumatizing him. <laughs> Hawk Moth is the bi rep that we need. Um... Mm-hmm. <laughs> um Add it again, Xavier. (laughs) Oh my gosh, dude! They're literally they're literally Xavier and Magneto, though. (laughs) Yes, they are. Of course. Um. Yeah. So this man has an extremely difficult uh, emotional plight, I guess, for his life. Yeah. He's just trying to do what he loves. Um. Mm -hmm. But yes, the the fashion show. So he has been defeated. All is right. Uh. They. Destroyed his pigeon call, unfortunately. Um, but yeah. he's all good. Everyone's safe. And then it's time for the fashion show, which is pretty hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So Chloe, Chloe did end up stealing Marinette's design, like like exactly. Um, and the way that Marinette proves that the design is hers is that she added her name like hand stitched into the the cap into the uh, i forget what kind of hat it is but it's just it's like a oh it's a derby hat that's what it's called um Mm -hmm. but i love the image of someone hand making this hat for chloe because she said that her dad was gonna like uh hire someone to do it for her so somebody was doing this and then didn't realize that they were stitching in a name into the brim of the hat (laughs) <laughs> also when when it is revealed that it is her name in the hat the hat is knocked over but the way that the shot is staged nobody would see the name because it it fell over so the name is right side up but the way that the camera is we are facing the hat in the foreground and then the people in the background everyone who should be looking at the hat so the name is on the opposite side from where they could see so they couldn't see it but chloe still ran away crying and I guess they just assumed her guilt because of that. <laughs> like, it's very strange. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they just took Marinette on her word. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, uh, Marinette's name is stitched into Chloe's hat, of course, which is a very elaborate way of resolving it. Whereas yeah. 
Chloe's plan here didn't make sense. Her plan to show up with the same hat as Marionette and then say Marionette copied her is ridiculous. Marionette has a sketchbook full of similar designs. It, yeah. it is so easy for Marionette to prove that this was her design and that Chloe is the one who plagiarized. And also, that's not how plagiarism works. You don't just show up with the exact same thing. You yeah. don't, this was obviously never going to work. <laughs> this was bad oh my cheating. Gosh. She's just, she's not even good at being a bad person. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> it's so bizarre. Like, she she has supposedly been bullying people all her life and she just can't get the hang of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> And also, um, so uh, I don't, I guess it, it must have been retconned in later that Chloe and Adrian are childhood friends in order to justify, like, what, why does Adrian allow her to be like this? And mm-hmm. um, because in this uh, scene where she's showing her hat to Gabriel, she introduces herself to him as if they do not know each other. Uh, yeah. In context of uh, we finding out later that they've known each other since childhood, uh, power move, <laughs> introducing <laughs> yourself to this rich, powerful guy like you don't know them. Oh, my gosh. Um, also, it's the most frustrating thing on Earth that um, Adrian is also allergic to feathers and Marinette does not even think twice about this. No. Yeah, uh, this is uh, the first end card where, because Adrian, his allergies are being triggered by the feather. Uh, this is the first end card where Adrian looks absolutely miserable, but I bet it's not the last. Yeah. <laughs> it, it will not be, I'm sure. Uh, he is so distressed. He is like, he has, he's like, his hand is wiping his nose as he walks away on the free, freeze frame. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. Marinette has jumped four feet in the air to tackle Alia into a hug, like, like just yeah. like not even like six feet behind him <laughs> but yeah good episode though this is definitely yeah. my favorite so far mm-hmm. yeah mr pigeon is he's a gift yes well uh we've got a little bit of housekeeping here like um over the weekend we uh past uh, 200 plays on this podcast yes. on anchors that's cool yeah that's awesome looking at the anchor uh readout um most of our listeners are in the states in the uk which uh does not surprise me um but uh i, I do also want to give a special acknowledgement to everybody listening from spain dubai iran vietnam ireland sri lanka india israel thailand brazil luxembourg canada iran france turkey indonesia hong kong Guatemala, Philippines, and Germany. So we we very much appreciate our like two or three listeners in each of those countries. Yes, we do. Thank you very much for supporting the show. It means a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, we got a voice message over Anchor. Yes, the sweetest voice message of all time. <laughs> yeah, I I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna play add it in here. I'm gonna play it now. Hello, Ava and Maggie. Um, I am a humble Miraculous fan who found your podcast on Spotify yesterday. And I was just listening to the second episode while the rest of my family were asleep. And honestly, I just had to like contain myself from laughing so many times because you guys are honestly so funny. You guys are absolutely hilarious. And I just love your energies and the way that you guys just bounce off each other so well. And I just love your opinions on the show. Like you have opinions that I never even thought about. And uh, I just love your take on like the story, the characters, um, the plot, everything. And 
honestly, this is like the podcast that I was looking for and I'm so excited to uh, listen to more. And I just wanted to say I love you guys and keep on doing what you're doing because this is quality content right here. Um, yeah, sending love from Britain. See ya. It's just, it's the the nicest thing ever. Thank you so much, a humble yes. Pusheen fan. Um, and if anybody else wants to use Anchor to send us a voice message, just go to anchor.fm. Uh, and please, uh, please be nice. Just just be nice if you're going to send us a, yeah. <laughs> a, a voice message. Use that one you just heard as a model. <laughs> um, and uh, also, if you want us to play it on the show and talk about you and compliment you, like inc- just include like your pronouns and where you're listening from. And we'll all have a good time. Yeah, we will. Also, yeah. Also, Ava, I wanted to tell you something. Okay. So you, I know that when we started recording this uh, the first time, you checked Apple Podcasts to make sure that there weren't other Miraculous Ladybug podcasts, and you only found one that- I wanted to know, yeah, I wanted to know what we were up against. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, one that hadn't updated in a while. Well, here's the thing, because I checked Spotify, um, which we probably should have checked before. So uh, there is one that started in February of this year called Stay Tuned with Miraculous Ladybug that is still updating. Uh, it's hosted by Shiloh and Nicole, and by virtue of seniority, it's probably like the flagship Miraculous podcast. Okay. Um, there's also a defunct podcast that hasn't updated in a few years called the Miraculcast. <laughs> um, okay. And there is also one called Podraculous, a Miraculous Ladybug podcast. And another one called We Are Not Too Old for This Miraculous Ladybug. Uh, I like both the name those of that last one. two. Yeah. <laughs> These those last two though, both started the summer of this year. So what you're telling me is that we <laughs> we have we have fallen into a trend that we didn't even know was happening. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Oh my god. We are not too old for this actually came out within uh, like two days of when we were recording our first episode. What? So, yeah, so we're just one of, like, this w- quarantine wave of specifically Miraculous Ladybug podcasts. <laughs> well, if you're listening to this one, we thank you so much for supporting us. <laughs> we yeah. turned it into one of those, like, airline things. Like, we know you have a lot of options when it comes to Miraculous yes. Ladybug podcasts. And so we appreciate that you're you're coming along mm. with us for this ride <laughs> yeah I, I wish i could like m- recommend like w- which of the other ones you should listen to probably all of them but i, I haven't say, I, uh, listened to any i i listened to the first like half of that one on on apple podcast that was not uh hasn't been updated in a long time and i gotta say it was the funniest intro music i have ever heard it was <laughs> just the opening of the show but then at the very end, like when the music fades out, it's Adrian saying, Marinette, she's just a friend. <laughs> I like, lost my shit laughing. I was so, I was laughing so hard. I was like, this is the perfect audio to use. Yeah, it's great. I, I'm sure eventually I'll start listening to a, a bunch of those podcasts. What I, mm-hmm. I don't want to listen to them now and then like hear a really funny joke and forget where I heard it and think it's my joke and repeat it on this podcast because then I can't get into heaven. That's a that's a dangerous trap to fall into. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening, everybody. I hope that you enjoyed. <laughs> I don't know how to end a podcast. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, well, uh, Paris is safe for now. Um, 
Oh, dang, I don't know how to end a podcast either. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, we're bad at this. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no, it's been, it's been too long. We ended two already, but oh, I forgot. I forgot what we did. I you, know what? you know Paris, what? I think it's Paris was safe for now, but not for long. Something. Uh, Pap, and then pound it. Pound it. <laughs> pound it. <laughs> <laughs> Just do 70 different takes